welcome to the Vineyard Cleveland Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information and other resources, please visit vineyardcleveland.org. So one night a man comes to talk to Jesus. He is a member of the Sanhedrin, which is the Jewish ruling council. Um, He's a Pharisee, which is a particularly strict sect of the Jews. So if there's anybody that can please God by doing religious works, Nicodemus is the one. He's, he's the man, right? Because he's, he's, you know, in this incredibly strict Jewish sect. He's a ruler, so he's one of the top guys. And he comes to talk to Jesus. But Jesus tells him something he doesn't expect. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you are born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, Nicodemus doesn't understand that. That doesn't make sense, right? How's somebody going to be born again, get back into their mom's womb? And that doesn't make sense. So Jesus explains. He says that what's born of flesh is flesh, but what's born of spirit is spirit. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born again of the spirit. For Nicodemus to enter The kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, that place of blessing where God rules and everything goes God's way. For him to enter that, it takes more than him following religious rules. He he needed to have God do a work inside him. He needed to have God put his life in him by his Holy Spirit. And God had spoken these same things centuries earlier in the Old Testament which is back in the day when my wife and I were young. People called that the Old Covenant. Um, Back, he spoke in Jeremiah 31. I bring that up because it's pertinent to the passage. God, who gave the Ten Commandments, who gave all the laws, the religious rules that you've heard in the Bible, he says through Jeremiah, this is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And then he also says through the prophet Ezekiel, he said, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees And be careful to keep my laws. A new spirit. A changed heart. One, people that would naturally walk in the ways of God. Because God had done something inside them. Not because they were disciplined enough to really get down to the rules. But because God had changed them on the inside. Written his laws on their heart. Nicodemus could not enter the kingdom of God by taking the rule book and going off and just being as good as he could be. He needed, he needed the spirit of God to create in him a new heart, one with the ways of God written on it. But you know, there's, there's another step in being born again. It was never intended that you would have a born again experience, have this change done inside you, and now you're just going to go off and live your life. You're actually born again into a relationship. 
says in uh, uh, John chapter 1, a little bit earlier than Nicodemus' story, Jesus, had, it's talking about how Jesus came and most people, his own people, right, the Jews, most of them rejected him. But it says, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, right, born into a relationship. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or husband's will, but born of God, right? Born of his spirit into a relationship, right? God as our father, we as his children, right? That's what he intended for us. That's how we were to live the life that actually pleases him and how we enter into that, again, the kingdom of God, that place of blessedness where, where God reigns and everything's good. And this, this relationship that we're born into, it's actually carried on, it's, it's carried out through the Holy Spirit also. It says in Romans chapter 5, it says, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us, right? So God's love, how do we receive God's love? Poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And then in Romans chapter 5, it says, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. We already talked about that. But then it says, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. Right? So the love of God comes in, is poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And then we cry back to our Father through the Holy Spirit. It's through the Holy Spirit that we're to have this vital relationship with the Father. And that's how we are to walk through our lives. So why did I start my message this way? That's not how it's supposed to work. You're supposed to tell a joke if you're funny. I'm not really funny. Or you tell a cute story. Well, first of all, if you don't have this father-child relationship with God, if you haven't been born of his spirit, this is the most important thing you're going to hear today. I mean, if, if you tune me out the rest of the time, and I know it's hard to pay attention all the way through, this is it. God has this incredible blessing for you. He offers it to you freely. But it's not fire insurance, right? It's not some hoop you jump through. It's relationship. He offers you relationship and new life. The other reason I started this way is that we just started last week a new series. It's called uh, 10 Stories, Experiencing the Holy Spirit. And we're using the um, stories about Jesus and the Gospel of Luke as a vehicle for understanding life in the Spirit. So um, I wanted to give some fam- framework for understanding you know, how this works, that so we look at Jesus and, and learn about life in the Spirit. And so the, the first part is what we already talk, just talked about. It's understanding the central role of the Holy Spirit. You know, Nicodemus, the religious guy, had not entered into the kingdom of God because he had not been born of the Spirit. We saw that um, we need, he needed to be born again of the Spirit, that God changes our hearts, and he brings us, we're actually born into a relationship with God, a new relationship, where he's our father, we're his child. And then we also saw that it's through the Spirit that we actually have this relationship with God, right? He's our, our vehicle for the relationship. So God offers personal relationship. We experience that relationship through the Spirit. That's the first uh, piece of our framework. 
Now, our plan is to look at stories about Jesus and learn about life in the Spirit. Why would that make any sense? Well, what we see in Jesus as a person is what we are to be also. The works that we see Jesus do, we're to do the same works. As he is, we are. What he did, we're supposed to do. Why would I think that? Well, for one, the very same spirit. You know God's coherent? Like his plan has made sense all along. Like he had a plan. The stuff in the Old Testament. I mean, you read the Bible. That's Old Testament, Gospels, um, Epistles. You know, they're like, like different things. No. God's been working out this plan all along. And the things that he's been working toward in the past, he's still working toward now through our lives. So we see that, that in the beginning of Jesus' ministry in Luke chapter 4... Jesus stands up in the temple, and he reads this Old Testament passage that applies to him. He says, the spirit of the Lord is on me. And then he goes on to talk about the wonderful things that God wanted to do through him, through his spirit. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. To set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Well, then toward the end of Luke, um, after Jesus has died on the cross, he's risen again, he appears to the disciples, they're all together, and he says, hey, stay here in Jerusalem um, till you're clothed with power from on high, and you're going to be my witnesses, right? This work's going to continue, and you've got to get this power. And then in Acts 1, the guy who wrote Luke, Luke, also wrote Acts, and he said, But you will, again, he has the disciples all gathered around him. And he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The same spirit that was on Jesus is the same spirit that's on us. That ministry that Jesus was doing, we're actually carrying out the ministry of Jesus. And this wasn't just for the original 12, because, you know, it says here, in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Well, you know, the original 12 never made it to Cleveland. <laughs> right? So obviously they couldn't. Obviously Jesus was talking about more than that. And here we are. And here's the cool family in Cleveland. That's good. Right? So, so yes, what Jesus did, we're supposed to do. We do it by the same spirit. It even says in the scripture um, specifically that we would do the same works. In in John 14, Jesus speaking, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. That's pretty clear. And it also says that we would be like him. Do you realize, I'm sorry, I was distracted a little bit. There's like a deer looking in the door. How odd is that? And oh, that was really, I'm so smart that I got the whole congregation to be distracted with me. (laughs) Woo! Go! So we're supposed to do the same works, but we're also supposed to be like him. And this part is really important. Um, You know, you think of of healing on the streets in that ministry. I know one thing that very much is on Tom's heart is that, and and really all the way goes back to the original model, is that, that we would have the compassion of Jesus. We would show humility and compassion, right? 
Because people can be doing the works of God, but then when it doesn't have that, that same spirit of God, it doesn't actually represent him, does it? Right? If you, if you have, like, power ministry stuff that's being done, and it's all about the person doing it, like, woo, look at the show, look at me, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't do the works of Jesus. Because it's supposed to be the works of Jesus with the same heart of Jesus. And that is what he has for us, to be like him. In John 13, Jesus says, By this, everyone will know that you were my disciples, right? That, that you were taught by me. Why? If you have love for one another, right? If they see, they're supposed to be able to see the same love that he had, supposed to be able to see that in us. And then in 1 John, also written by the same guy, but an epistle toward the end of the New Testament, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. We're born into relationship with God, and we're supposed to reflect that same God, you know, in that same love. And then, you know, in some circles they talk a lot about being Christ-like. In Galatians 5, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, the, the result of walking with the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, right? The character of Jesus, you get that from walking with the Spirit. That's how you become Christ-like. And, you know, this whole Trinity, Trinity thing, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, of course they're going to be the same, right? I mean, Jesus, God, the Father is loving, Jesus is loving, the Holy Spirit is loving, right? So it makes sense that we get that from walking in the Spirit. And then I added verse 25 just because it, it really caught my... My attention, since we live by the Spirit, right, we've been born again into new life with Jesus, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. And we're talking about our series is on life in the Spirit, experiencing the Spirit. How aware do you have to be to keep in step with the Spirit? Now, I initially thought it was probably like, you know, walking side by side and stuff. And I, I looked into the Greek words, and it's really not that. It's really more like following in a line. So, like, the Spirit's in front, and you're behind them. If you ever, most of you drive, I would think, most of you. Have you ever followed somebody in a car? How aware do you have to be? On the one hand, if you're following somebody, um, you're constantly aware. But it doesn't necessarily take your full concentration, right? You know, you're kind of an autopilot and up. Oh, they're about to make a turn, and suddenly it really has your attention, and you know, you're more concentrated. But, but the thing is, is that there's a constant interaction, that, that constant checking with the Holy Spirit. That's what we're supposed to do. Now, I, I, you know, I've been Christian a long time now, and I can't say that still it's constant, right? But you know, it's something that we grow in. It's, it's our, our awareness of, of God is um, it, it just, it grows. It becomes clearer and clearer. And, you know, when I was a new Christian, it was kind of like, you know, you said your prayers, and did they really go anywhere? And, you know, my worldview was very much one way. And the, the more you walk, it, my worldview is not that way. You know, yes, we are spiritual beings. Yes, we live in the presence of God. Yes, the kingdom of God can break in and affect our lives at any moment. 
And I just tell you that stuff because I know that, you know, we talk about ex- experiencing the Holy Spirit and, um, and it's, it can be discouraging, actually. You know, if you're really new at it, you're like, that's so far outside of my experience. But it is what God has for you and it is what you can grow into. That's what I'm hoping to still grow into. So again, what we see in Jesus as a person is what we are to be also. The works we see Jesus do is what we are to do also. Through the Holy Spirit, being clothed with the Holy Spirit, keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. And it even says that, it says that we're the body of Christ in the scriptures. And that too is through the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 12, that's the chapter that, like, people we get all excited about because that's a chapter that talks about the gifts of the Spirit. And you have things like teaching, but then you've got, like, miracles. That would be a good one. Have gift of miracles. That would be really good. Um, prophecy, and there's administration, and there's all kinds of things that are important. These, these gifts of the Spirit, and he gives them to each person. He says, it says... In verses 12 and 13, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ, right? We're talking about Christ's body. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, no matter who you are, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. So, you know, Jesus got to be the whole body of Christ just by himself. But for us, we're not, you know, it's as the church that we're the body of Christ. Because we don't have all the, not each person, not every person has all the gifts, right? But still, we function as the body of Christ, the body of Jesus on earth. And, you know, the way I picture this, the the scripture says that Jesus is the head. The scripture doesn't say this next part. But I picture it as, like, the Holy Spirit is, like, the central nervous system. So, you know the story of Peter and John? They're walking into the temple, and the head says, Holy Spirit, tell them to go over that paralytic. This is what I want want them to say, and you're going to have to get the holy adrenaline going because they're going to need some power for this one, right? And then they go over, and the power of God comes, and the paralytic gets healed, right? Jesus is the head. He's still doing his works on the earth, and he's doing it as he moves people by his spirit. All right. So this is our frame. This is our framework for understanding our study um, for the next, the rest of the summer. We experience relationship with God through the Holy Spirit. We're supposed to be like Jesus, continuing the ministry of Jesus. It's not a new ministry. It's the same ministry, but it's it's done through us, the body of Christ, and we're the body of Christ through the Holy Spirit. So that's our framework. Now a Jesus story. In Luke chapter 15, this comes right before the parable. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered. Muttered, that's a great word. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So they're complaining about Jesus. There's two groups of people there, right? There's the tax gatherers and sinners. The tax gatherers um, were, um, I forgot the word, 
stuff being old. Okay, that word left. We'll come up with another word. They worked together with the occupying Romans, right? They're Jews, collaborators. They were Jews who were collaborators with the occupying Romans, and they used their position to enrich themselves at the expense of their fellow countrymen. So you can imagine everybody hated the tax collectors, except for maybe some people that benefited from the money, I imagine. The sinners, now, they were not the group that said, hey, we are the sinners. They didn't call themselves sinners. The Pharisees, remember that really strict religious sect? They called them sinners. We know that that it, from a different passage, we know that at least included the prostitutes, but it would, would have included anybody that they said that didn't follow the law according to the Pharisees, right? So you have the tax collectors and the sinners. Then you have the Pharisees that we already talked about, and you have the teachers of the law. Now, the teachers of the law, also known as scribes, you might see scribes in your Bible, they were, they were the experts on the scriptures and how you would follow the law. So, um, and these guys are complaining about Jesus. Now, isn't it interesting that the tax gatherers and sinners came to hear? It says they're all gathering around to hear Jesus. Do you think they'd gather around to hear the Pharisees? <laughs> sinners? I want to be called a sinner. Probably not, but Jesus with somebody that they would gather around. Now, to be fair to the Pharisees, the sinners were probably sinners. But what's the difference? It's like when there's an addict and the one person despises him, oh, he's a heroin addict. And the other person who cares about that person is like, oh, he's addicted to heroin and he wants, he wants to help them, right? It's Jesus recognized sin. It wasn't that he didn't care about sin. It's that his attitude is redemptive. He cares about that person and, and reaches out to that person to help that person, to bring them to life, right? And by the way, we already saw, even Nicodemus, he's, he's lost, right? He was the guy, the respectable guy. Even he was lost. They're all lost. So anyway, it's in this context where the, the Pharisees and the, the um, Teachers of the law are complaining about Jesus. What's he doing? You know, hanging out. He's, he's, he, he, he receives them and he even eats with them, right? He's not just preaching to them. He's not just telling them how it is. He's hanging out with them. He's, he's got a relationship with them, right? And they're complaining about that. And it's in this context that Jesus tells them the parable of the lost sheep. Now, before we get right into the parable... The lost sheep, you know, if we just read it, we think, oh, that's a quaint little story. Isn't that sweet? You know, because the lost sheep, because the lost sheep. It wasn't that way to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law because they were experts in the Old Testament law. They would have known Ezekiel chapter 34. They'd be familiar with the story about lost sheep. God says through his prophet Ezekiel, Woe to you shepherds of Israel who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. And no one searched or looked for them. Right? God has always cared for the lost. And he cares when their lives are destroyed. You know, that picture of the lost sheep just... Um, you know, vulnerable to being devoured by wolves. God has always cared about them. 
And so, so they would have known that when Jesus tells this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and he goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. And then Jesus says, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Now, do you see God's heart in this parable? It's God's heart seen through Jesus is that each and every person is important to God, every single one. And he pursues them. He actively goes after searching for the lost. And then also, it gives him great joy when one person comes to true life. Isn't that beautiful? You know, we're, we're looking at Jesus to see what the life of the Spirit is, is going to be. And, um, you know, what we see in Jesus is this beautiful thing that he, he loves each and every one, that he goes after them and he rejoices, you know, and, and them being made well, them, them coming to true life. Well, let's review just a second, because this is a little bit complicated, isn't it? I hope you're staying with me. Let's remember where we're going. We're born into a relationship with God by his spirit, and we actually carry on that relationship through his spirit. Remember, he sheds his love abroad to us through his spirit. We cry out back to him through his spirit. We're to be like Jesus, and we're also to do the same works that Jesus did through his spirit. And in fact, we act as the body of Christ on earth, continuing his ministry, right, through the ages. And then here in this parable, we see that Jesus loved the lost and actively reached out to them. The body of Christ reaching out to the lost by the spirit. We see an example of this in the book of Acts, all right? Acts comes right after Jesus has ascended to heaven and actually ascends in the first chapter of Acts. But then it, you know, it carries on the ministry of, of the church. And there's a story of the evangelist Philip. And he had, been in, um, he had been in the midst of this big revival where people are just coming to know Jesus and the Holy Spirit's doing amazing miracles and just this wonderful thing. And an angel speaks to him and tells him to go to this certain road. It would be as if, you know, God spoke to Jonathan. He's in the midst of the church, and really cool stuff's happening in the ministry of the church. He says, Jonathan, I want you to go to Route 82 and the Valley Parkway. Go there. So Jonathan goes, oh, well, okay. And he goes on. And when he gets there, it says, um, we have the slide, what he sees there is this, this Ethiopian eunuch. He's, he's a court member of the court in Ethiopia. And he's in a chariot. Philip sees him. And the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Now, remember how, Jesus, how, how God cares about each and every one? He cares about the lost? Philip's with all these people. And God sends him out for this one guy who's, you know, left Jerusalem on his way back home to Ethiopia. 
and he sends him, and he tells him um, to go up to the chariot. Now, when we're talking about life in the Spirit and following the Spirit, could you do that? Go up to the chariot. Holy Spirit says you go up to the chariot. Could you do that? You could do that, couldn't you? Right? That's the way it's supposed to be, keeping in step with the Holy Spirit, that, that he sends us. He'll give us instructions on how to carry out the ministry of Jesus. Now, in this case, when he goes up to the, the chariot, I mean, you think he's an official, the guy could hurt him or something probably, but, but it's, an, it's a situation that God has arranged. This guy is reading Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 is this amazing prophecy hundreds of years before the crucifixion of Jesus that describes what Jesus does on the cross. And the guy's reading that very passage, perfectly primed, and he's like, anybody, I'm reading this thing. Anybody knows what it means? And Philip gets up, and he, um, and he leads this guy. He explains Jesus. The guy receives Jesus, and he goes off, just goes off in joy. What do you think that was like for Philip? You know, he got to participate in the work of God. He got to participate in, in the things of the Spirit and seeing life come to this person who, you know, had been far from God. Now, isn't that awesome? And all he had to do was go up to the chariot. All he had to do was obey the voice. Now, I had a little story from a couple of weeks ago. It's right after church, and my wife had other plans, so I got nothing. And I'm like, Lord, what should I do? I'm out in the parking lot and called somebody that I thought maybe I'd have lunch with, but I got voicemail. And I felt like maybe the Lord said to go to the skate park. Now, I go to the Lakewood Skate Park um, with other people, and we've been reaching out to kids there for this is our ninth season. And I felt like maybe the Lord said to go there. And I, I went there, and on the way there, I felt like the Lord said, I have somebody for you. And, you know, I don't have... I mean, I've got a direct line, but sometimes there's a little, you know, noise in the line. It's not like I hear God perfectly all the time. Wouldn't that be awesome? But I don't. But then, five minutes later, I hear it again. And a few minutes later, I hear it again, three times. And I get there, and there's only two guys there, and I don't know either one of them. Because, you know, it's Sunday. They're out really late Saturday. They're not up at, you know, 1.30 or whatever it was. So there's just these two guys. I'm sitting on the bleachers, and I like watching skating, but, um, you know, there's only two guys there. One guy's pretty good, actually. So I'm like, well, Lord, did I I get this wrong? And then this other guy shows up, and he's somebody that we had met a few weeks earlier and had been having some interactions and hadn't known him before, but we're getting to know him a little bit. And, um, you know, I thought, thought, um, well, I had thought maybe I'm going to go to lunch with somebody, and that would just be way too weird because he's not, like, interacting with me and then I felt like it was after a little while I felt like yeah it's time to go and I thought oh well God does have him for me and this is somebody I should be praying for right so I'm being prompted by the Holy Spirit I think I think what if I'm wrong what did I lose about 15 minutes at the, pray, at the skate park and I've been praying for this kid you know that can't be too bad right not really lost um so, you know, what the Lord has for us is to be the body of Christ. And being the body of Christ is caring about the lost, is being his, his mouth, his hands, his feet, so that he can reach the lost. And he's the one that does the work, but we cooperate with him and, and, and obey him. 
what are some practical things that you could do? It's awesome when God puts something really specific on your life, like I know that I'm called to this, and um, you know God's clearly directed me to that. Most people that I know that have, because I do know people like that, that are in that place, they haven't always been in that place. You know, early on, what they were doing was they were just joining in with what was happening. They would go to healing on the streets because somebody's doing healing on the streets. They'd go to the Lakewood Skate Park because they're helping out. They'd show up at, um, at the food pantry, right? they just join in so that they're available for the Lord to use them. And it's those people that join in that, that grow. Another thing is, is uh, so, you know, just get involved would be one thing. Another thing is that you could easily do. Could you pray every morning for the next week? And I actually have a little suggested possible prayer at the bottom of your notes. You could come up with something better. But could you open yourself, present yourself to the Holy Spirit for him to use? Could you do that every day? Um, Lord, I want to be your hands and feet and mouth in bringing your life to the lost. Lead me by your spirit and how I might serve your purposes today. Could you do that? And then maybe next Sunday when we have some other understanding, some additional understanding, maybe you'd modify the prayer. But maybe what if you prayed through the rest of the summer trying to, presenting yourself to God so that you could enter into that life of the spirit Enter into the things that God wants to do in you and through you. Wouldn't that be awesome? Um, we had ministry time. Let's, uh, let's stand together, and I'd just like to pray for you. Hey, if you're just checking things out, and uh, you know, you're someone that doesn't know Jesus yet, hasn't been born of the Spirit, um, look for somebody. You can usually, usually tell who are kind of leaders and that kind of stuff. Um, we'd love to talk to you. If you'd like to know more, we'd love to talk to you. Lord, first we just we thank you. We're just so glad that, that the God that exists is one who loves each and every one. Just praise you for that, Lord. And Lord, we thank you that it's your desire to draw us close to you, that you would actually put your own spirit in us, and that you would teach us by your spirit to have a relationship with you. Father, we present ourselves to you. We ask that you would pour your spirit out on your church afresh. Lord, that you would make us like you. And Lord, that you would use us as the body of Christ to do your works. To the glory of your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for coming. God bless you.